0: On today's episode of On.Net, we're going to be talking about how to use .NET tools with Kubernetes to diagnose ASP.NET Core threat exhaustion issues. Check it out. Hey, welcome to another episode of the On.Net show. Today, we're gonna be talking about ASP.NET Core thread exhaustion issues uh, with Mike. Hey, welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for uh, being on again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rich.
0: Uh, Yeah, so um, how about you tell us first, like what, uh, actually first introduce yourself and then
1: tell us what thread pool exhaustion issues even are. Absolutely. So, uh, My name is Mike Rusos. I'm an engineer on the .NET customer engagement team. We're a customer facing piece of the product team who helped make sure that customers are able to get started successfully with new .NET and Azure app development offerings. Um, so Today I thought I'd talk about thread pool exhaustion because it's a common performance problem we see in .NET core apps. And so I thought, hey, let's just take 10 minutes walk through the easy ways you can diagnose these sorts of problems using the .NET CLI tools in Visual Studio.
0: Right. And so do you need, you know, there's obviously like threading do you need to be using that in order to run
1: into thread pool exhaustion or or not? So the way we typically run into it is when you have an ASP.NET Core app that's synchronously blocking because ASP.NET Core will be multi-threaded for you automatically. Every time a new request comes in, a thread pool thread will pick that up and serve the request. But the problem is, if you have some code, which maybe uh, you didn't make as as asynchronous as you could, or maybe old code that you moved over and haven't updated to be async, you end up with these synchronous calls, and the thread that's serving that request is now blocked until that call finishes. Whereas in an async model, that... Thread could go off and serve a different request while we wait for the async operation to finish. And what ends up happening is all of the threads in the thread pool get blocked, waiting for whatever this external dependency is that you're calling synchronously. And then when more requests come in, they have to wait for a thread to become available and it uh, slows things down. Eventually, uh, users start getting timeouts, stuff like that.
0: Right. So maybe uh, a simple example would be uh, you know, we have these synchronous um, file APIs. Like if on every request, if you're opening up a, you know, 200 megabyte JSON file with the synchronous APIs yep. and then blocking on that uh, being loaded before you process it, I assume that would kind of lead to this sort
1: of problem. Yeah, that's that's the sort of thing that we see. In fact, I've got a demo we're going to look at where I'm making a call to a database and I even tossed in like a task dot, uh, Delay just to make sure it was nice and slow, but any sort of you know external data access typically is where you hit this. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, how about we just jump right to
1: that? All right. Perfect. Um, let's go ahead and get my screen shared, and we will take a look. So one of the reasons that this issue in particular is interesting, I think is because sometimes you don't realize you have this issue when you're just testing locally on a dev machine or in a staging environment without a lot of load it comes up when you do more perf or reliability testing or when you go to production and you have a lot more users and at that point you're usually running someplace other than uh, an environment like what you developed on a lot of customers nowadays are running on linux or uh, in, in docker containers and kubernetes and it makes it a little bit trickier to diagnose, so I wanted to show off some of the tools we have for collecting diagnostics in those scenarios. So enabled, uh, so that we can do that, I've set up an AKS cluster, and I have a demo app, it's very simple, running there. So if I do a get deployments, you'll see that we've got a deployment called Scenario 1. Give it a minute, there it goes. And within that, we have uh, a single pod, which is hosting our app. So let's suppose that we already know that this app is working well when I test it on my dev box, but when we get a lot of users sort of concurrently hitting it, things start to slow down as more users come online and we wanna figure out what's going on. One of the easy ways you can sort of get a high level overview of what's happening in your app is to use the .NET counters tool, which is a cross-platform command-line tool that shows event counter information, similar to like perf counter information on .NET processes. So I'm actually going to exec into the uh, Kubernetes uh, container here, and we're going to run that tool so that we can get an idea of what might be causing our app to slow down in this case. So we're going to exec into that pod. Into now. This this means that
0: we would have had to have deployed that tool to that um, into that container when we
1: built it. Good question. So that used to be how you did it because we installed the tool using the .NET SDK about well, I don't know six nine months ago. Improvements were made to the .NET CLI tools so that they can just be downloaded directly from the internet now. So I didn't install it here. Um, okay, that's how perfect. I used to do it. But nowadays you don't have to worry about that because that was always a hassle. People would get into their production environments. They didn't have the SDK and it was, it was always a pain. So in this case, I'm able to just, I'll just make a new folder to keep things neat, but I can go into the tools folder and I can, I can just use curl to uh, curl it down essentially, or, you know, wget or wh- whatever you want to just download the file from the internet. So we'll go net counters, Linux X64. We'll say, we'll call it net counters here. and that's all you need to do to install the tool. So it's a lot easier than it used to be. Uh, we'll go ahead and mark it as executable so that we can run it. And then uh, it's got a, a couple different commands. Uh, sometimes you'll start with a .NET counters PS to see the managed processes that are running that you could monitor. And in this case we've just got process one because we're just running in a docker container. Uh, so we'll go ahead and just do a .NET counters monitor on process one, and that's going to show us these event counters. Now, I'm just using the default set, which is going to be the runtime event counters. So we get things like CPU usage, some uh, garbage collector information, uh, the different generation heap sizes and frequencies. We get um, thread pool information, which is going to be interesting for this investigation, information on lock contention, jitted methods, all sorts of stuff. It's a really useful tool for getting a high-level overview of the health of your app. There are also other sets of counters you can use to get information that would be ASP.NET Core specific. So you can opt into ASP.NET Core counters to see information on like uh, response times, uh, stuff like that. And You can even enable your own custom event counters. If you've instrumented your app using event counters, then you can enable those with .NET counters as well so you can watch those metrics in real time as well. So. We're watching this right now, everything's sort of in a steady state, nothing's happening, really. Um, No CPU usage, no real memory usage. So let's go ahead and apply a load. I'm going to use Siege, which is a command line tool to just simulate 100 concurrent users for one minute hitting this product category endpoint. The product category endpoint just goes out and gets information on product categories from a sample AdventureWorks database. So if we come back to .NET counters and look, you can see we still have no CPU usage, allocation rate is low and steady. There's no GCs happening. The only thing that's interesting here is we see this thread pool thread count is sort of monotonically increasing at a very steady rate, and that's a red flag. The fact that we have a lot of stuff in the thread pool queue kind of makes sense because we've got 100 concurrent users all sending requests. But we shouldn't be increasing the thread pool count like this in in an ideal ASP.NET Core application. Everything runs asynchronously, so a very small number of threads can serve a large number of requests. That's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing that as time goes on, the uh, runtime is expanding the thread pool as quickly as possible to handle these incoming requests. So likely what this tells us is that there are thread pool threads being blocked on some sort of long-running task. And maybe it's something that has to be long running that we're gonna have to work around or maybe we're just not doing async right but thread pool threads are getting blocked and we're needing to add additional ones you can see in the end um our uh our transaction rate was was quite low which is uh problematic this is a simple app that should have hundreds or thousands of requests per second so now that we've identified that the thread pool is needing to add a lot of threads how can we make the, make, take that next step and understand why that's happening? Uh, for that, it's actually a very easy problem to solve. There are other performance problems that are harder. This one, you've got a lot of thread pool threads and they're all stopped waiting for something. So all you need to do is collect a dump that's gonna let you look at those call stacks and see what they're waiting on. So for that, we have another CLI tool, which is super useful because it's a cross-platform tool just like .NET counters that you can use right from the command line when you're SSH'd into a container or anywhere and that's going to be our dotnet uh, dump tool so if i do a let's see do i have it uh, let's see am looking for .NET dump there we go so it's same as dotnet counters i'm going to curl down .NET dump uh locally although Right, and
0: that, and that's from uh, some Microsoft-owned endpoint. Like, this isn't it is. random software on the internet. No,
1: it is not. It is not random software on the internet. I forget where a- this particular aka.ms redirects to, yeah. but it yes. is a Microsoft-owned one, which I know is important for a lot of customers because in their production environments, they're not able to hit just any internet site. But this does resolve to a fairly official Microsoft one, which I'd have to go look up. Actually, so. do you know you can use Dash V? Let's try it. On Let's Curl. Uh huh. Lowercase v. Yeah, just beside the l. Yeah. Uh, haven't tried that. Let's let's take a look. Okay. Download.visualstudio.microsoft.com. It looks like so. You know, yeah. it ends in a microsoft.com. So uh, you know, it. We're it good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. Awesome. So let's go ahead and use that. So, once again, I'm going to apply some load, and uh, so if you're not familiar with .NET Dump, it's an easy to use. Uh, command line tool which allows you to collect manage dumps and also analyze them. So in, in this case, I'm going to bring it back to Windows because Visual Studio makes this really easy. But if you needed to analyze the dump right there in your production environment, you could use the .NET dump analyze command to open it up in the command line and use SOS commands to explore the dump that way as well. So there's a lot of options, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna do .NET dump collect. We're gonna collect a dump for process one. There are different types of dumps you can collect, but the default uh, full dump is is fine in this case. And so that just writes it to disk. Okay, this is still running, so that's good. And so now at this point, we've got uh, a dump here. And, It's fairly large it's 800 megs so i'm not going to copy it to my dev machine live because i'd probably kill our uh our online session here but instead i've got a dump that i copied earlier with from this exact same scenario so we're going to go ahead and take a look at that one and 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 what was the mechanism by which you did that copy ah good question so because it's in kubernetes i can do kube kubectl cp to copy files out of the containers if it was just a docker environment it could be a docker cp if this was some other linux environment you'd copy it with whatever mechanisms made sense for that environment right so you used the the standard docker mechanism for this exactly okay exactly yep nothing special about that um and i was going to show that you can analyze with dotnet dump i forgot while i was Exact into my container, but that's you know there's really nothing. See there, you do a .NET dump, analyze, and then you can run SOS commands like CLR threads to list the managed threads or CLR stack to see the stacks. But a better way to do it is to do it in Visual Studio. So um, you can see here we've got a dump. It's a little bit smaller, I must have gathered it slightly earlier, but it's the same exact scenario. The one thing I'm going to do first is I want to make sure we have all the symbols and debugging files we need to get the best possible experience. If I were to open up like this, Visual Studio would show me stacks, it would give me some information, but I can get more information by making sure that I have all of the necessary files present. So The first one I'm going to want is, I am actually going to do a Coup control copy because I want to make sure that we have symbols for my app so that we can associate uh, locations in code with you know, source uh, lines so that I can go and see where exactly in my source the, the problem may have been uh, coming from. So I know that I deployed my app to the app folder and let's see, it was targetapp.pdb. We're going to copy targetapp.pdb locally. And then the other thing that I'm going to do. Uh, is I'm going to use the dotnet symbols tool which is a yet another CLI tool that allows us to go out to Microsoft symbol servers and download uh, debugging files like dac and dbi files for arbitrary dumps and this is this is very useful cuz we can use this we can say dash debugging to say that we want debugging files like that dac and dbi and we can say host only to say that we want the dotnet host and then we just specify the dump that we want these for and this is oh uh, okay, maybe probably I've got the wrong uh, file name. So let's try again. Host only
0: that one. Well, no, no I think it's .NET symbols that. Yes, it, it is. I have an S that
1: I don't need. Thank you, Rich. There we go. All right. So so now we're downloading these. Uh, if you were to have built your own .NET uh, framework and runtime, you would just. You know, have to get these yourself, but as long as you're using one that Microsoft built, these are all available. So we've got the stuff all locally now. So now we can open this dump any way we want. We can use .NET dump. We can use WinDBG uh, on Linux. It would be LLDB. Uh, but really, the best experience nowadays is Visual Studio. It used to be that Visual Studio would only open the Windows dumps, but now, just continue without code. We have the ability to open. Uh, Linux dumps on Visual Studio as well and get that uh, nice debugging experience that people are used to. So let's go ahead. I'm just going to drag and drop this thing so I know where it came from. We've got our, our dump here. Wow. Opened up with VS.
0: That looks pretty straightforward.
1: It's very straightforward. This is, this is an easy scenario. It's just a matter of knowing that these tools have these capabilities. So you got here the modules that are loaded, information on the dump file. So we're going to go ahead and debug managed. And as soon as it starts debugging managed code, it's going to jump right in and we can see uh, we've got call stack information. Here's a list of threads. And you can see we've got you know a few dozen threads. So I could very easily just start navigating between these different threads and looking at the call stacks. And from that, I could probably figure out where the problem is that's causing the threads to all be blocked. But there's an even easier way to look at this. If we go to the debug menu and go into Windows, go to parallel stacks, the parallel stacks view in Visual Studio is a really nice visualization of the overall uh, state of threads in the app that you're debugging. In this in this dump, it gives a nice sort of macro view of what's happening, and then from there you can drill down into things that are interesting. So in this case, you can see even though we had dozens of threads, there's really only a few things shown here. We've got a couple of main threads, a few things that were spawned out of ThreadHelper.ThreadStart, and then you can see it groups together threads with similar call stacks. So we have 36 threads that all share this call stack, and then they split off into one of these two very similar um, set of calls. And so if we if we zoom in a little bit here so it's obvious, you can see we have some highlighted um, stack frames, which are the ones we have symbols for. So we've got some stuff in, in the .NET framework itself, but right here at the top of the stack, we have category repository.getAllCategories, which I know is one of the APIs from my app, I recognize that here, and so this is likely where the problem is. As I hover over it, you can see the different threads which make up this collection of 36. So I can click on any one of these. Probably we can click on a couple and just make sure they're all doing the same thing. But this, the the call stacks exactly the same, so any of these are going to be similar. So I can select that, and now move this out of the way. We will have moved over so that we're looking at. Uh, that particular thread and we can see the call stack. We can see uh, if I go to locals, I can see any locals information here, like what's going on in this repository object. Here's my SQL connection. The thing that's particularly interesting though, is that we can see where we are in this file. So This is just a simple repository pattern that's using Dapper to go out to a database and get some information and you can see we're doing this db.query, but it is a synchronous query, and just to make sure that things are slow, because hitting Azure SQL databases is super fast if the query is not complex. I tossed in a task.delay as well, and I put a .wait on it, which is uh, you know always a bad sign if you've got .wait and .result littered around. But between these two calls, we can see this is where this thread is sitting at the time when I took the dump. And so now we've identified the place where there was something that was sort of slow running, either the delay or the database access, and it's being done synchronously. So this thread can't handle any other work until these complete. And so now that's why the thread pool is having to go out and add more threads. We can go back, we can navigate to other threads. We're gonna find they're all sitting in the same place and so now we know what we have to do to fix it. We go in here, we make sure that you know this method becomes asynchronous. We do an await here, we get rid of the dot wait, and we call query async instead of query, and we're gonna see our throughput go way up and not suffer from the same thread pool exhaustion issue. So that's that's it's that easy to figure out where you're blocking your threads if you run into this.
0: So so just uh so that everyone understands, so we're doing dump debugging here. Yes. And I think of that as you know, it's a very similar experience to interactive debugging. You know, it's got all the same windows and obviously you're looking at your source code, except for the interactive part. Like, uh, right, there's there's no stepping. This is yeah. like a, a process that's, Don't do anything. <laughs> that's locked at a single point in time and can't that's go right. backwards or
1: forwards. That's right. It's locked here. We can't step to the next instruction, but it allows us to inspect the state of the app at the time we captured that dump.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, so, so are, are you um, are you gonna show or show us or tell us what happened next?
1: I guess uh, I can. I wasn't sure how we're doing on time. Okay. I actually thought ahead and I made a get all categories async, which does the await task.delay and await query async. And so if we want, we can uh, stop debugging this and we can go ahead and we can we can run my siege command again, but this time, yeah, let's add just, slash async at the end yeah, because what that's that. going to do is, well, I don't have it open here, but I've got another endpoint that's going to use this async uh, API in my repository instead of using the synchronous one. and It's going to be very different. In fact, if I can be fast enough and uh, let's see, exec back into that container, we can start up.NET counters again and you'll notice that there's never more than three to five thread pool threads uh, so go over. Yeah, this, that's what oh. I was wanting to see to kind of <laughs> put a yeah. ball on this. Let's see. So monitor. So we've still got stuff, still got load being applied. But now when it starts up, so, we've still got stuff in the queue because new requests are continually coming in, but the count of thread pool threads is one. Also, our CPU usage is 99% because there's nothing else blocking this now. So, the app's running as fast as it possibly can. And now the bottleneck is just well, how fast can Kestrel serve requests? And it's working overtime because the thread pool. Um, has basically nothing to do because the, those two or three threads there were able to handle all of the hundreds of incoming requests because that see, oh, we need to get something out of the database, kick off an async task, now go handle the next request while we wait for the async thing to come back. So if we come over here, we've got 2,600 requests per second instead of whatever it was before. So it's obviously an enormous difference. And this is a contrived example because the app is doing nothing but. That database access and the task delay, which you would never have in a real app, but it does show the difference of what it looks like in counters, and the fact that it makes uh, a big difference at the end of the day when you've got a lot of concurrent users hitting that endpoint.
0: Right. So, just, just before we finish up, uh, some people might see like, "Oh, you hit 100% CPU. Wow, wow, that .NET must be inefficient." But it's, it's actually the exact opposite, right? Yes. Which is, we're trying, like that's the goal, which is right. make the CPU get to hundred percent because it means there's no nothing blocking there.
1: Yes. It's like, that's what we always yeah. want to see. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at some point there's going to be a limit to how fast we can serve requests. Something's going to be the bottleneck. And previously it was our thread pool. Now it's the CPU, which is kind of where you want to get to because then exactly. you say, well, If we need more, well, we add more hardware. We scale up, we scale out. Now, there are instances where I've seen customers have inefficient code on hot code paths, and maybe we can do a future session where I can show you how to debug that, because it's actually just as easy. You can use .NET Trace instead of .NET Dump, and you can open up those traces on your dev machine and look at where those hot code paths are. If we were to do that right now, we'd see that most of that CPU time is just being spent by the ASP.NET Core host, which is what you want. If we had an inefficient app, we'd open it up and we'd find out, oh, it's actually being spent by some Other piece of code that maybe could be made better. So then, when you've got that CPU at ninety nine percent, you either you get more hardware or you find a way to make your code more efficient. And so maybe in the future we can take a look at take a look at that.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, I think um, you know we'll put a couple links in the description so that people can see the links, figure out where all those tools are. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, thanks uh, again for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah, I think uh, people will love this kind of topic because it's very, very, very practical.
1: Yep, it's very.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, this has been another episode of the On.net show, talking about ASP.net core and how to diagnose thread pool exhaustion issues. Uh, Thanks for watching.